Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. About 2,500 years ago, the prophet Zechariah's burden was to help the returned people of Israel to see God's purpose. Today, God's intention, His desire, is that we would be one with Him. He's brought us back to the very site, to the ground, even to the foundation of the temple typified by the recovery back to Jerusalem from Babylon in Zechariah's day. Now God wants us to see that his interest, his desire, and his burden are to finish the building of the temple, to build up the body of Christ. This is Matt Miller, and I have Kali Joseph, a new guest with me today. Kali, thanks for taking the time to be with me for this particular life study of Zechariah. Good to be here. Kali, we've come to chapter 9 in our life study of Zechariah, and we've shared that there's more revelation of Christ in just the 14 chapters of Zechariah than in all the 66 books of Isaiah, which are a famous book on Christ. So before we get into chapter 9 today, would you give our listeners a review of the previous chapters in Zechariah that have revealed Christ up to this point? Well, of course, Zechariah was born a priest but became a prophet and prophesied uh, there in the good land from 520 until 518. Mainly, Zechariah's prophesying was to console and to encourage the children of Israel, especially related to the rebuilding of the temple. And this book is full of Christ, as you just said, Matt. In chapter 1, Christ is presented as a man riding on a red horse through uh, the myrtle trees, typifying God's suffering people to care for God's people. So in chapter 1, we have a revelation of Christ riding through on a red horse, caring for God, suffering people. In chapter 2, we have the vision of Christ as the one who's measuring Jerusalem. And in chapter 3, we have a wonderful revelation of Christ as the high priest typified by Joshua. Of course, Joshua was a high priest at this time, and Zerubbabel was a governor. But Joshua was also a type of Christ as the real high priest. And also in this chapter, we have a vision of the stone with seven eyes. And this is later, we're going to see this in the book of Revelation, which typifies there in Zechariah the sevenfold intensified spirit of God, which is so much for God's building. Then uh, in chapter 4, Christ is typified as the real king. In chapter 3, as the real priest. Uh, Joshua in chapter 4, as the real king, Zerubbabel, who was the, king, the governor of God's people. In chapter 6, Christ is revealed as the unique one who's qualified to bear both the office of the priesthood and the kingship, which are necessary for the consummation of the building up God's temple. There's not that much uh, revelation of Christ in chapter 7 and 8, but then we come to chapter 9, of course, we're going to see a wonderful revelation of Christ in human history. 
Thanks, Collie. That's a great review of the Christ that's been revealed up to now. I liked in chapter 6 how he was called the shoot, and he would shoot forth from his place and will build the temple of Jehovah. Let's go on and start our life study out with uh, God's desire for Christ in this chapter 9, with verses 9 and 10. Exult greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now your king comes to you. He's righteous and bears salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey, even upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be cut off, and he will speak peace unto the nations. And his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. Here's Witness Lee for today's Life Study of Zechariah, message number 9, originally spoken on July 4th, 1991. God has a burden. And this burden is that God may gain a people in this age, even today, to know his heart, to realize his desire, and to be one with him, to build up the body of Christ. This is what God wants, which is very much concerning God's economy. And God's economy is that Christ could be everything. He could be the center, he could be the circumference, the uh, centrality and universality of God's move on this earth. I don't know how much you have seen in Zechariah, nearly every chapter referred to Christ. Now, chapter 9, two verses are concerning Christ. Verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, Exalt, shout, for now your king comes to you. He is righteous and he bears salvation. He himself is okay, but you are not okay. So you need his salvation. And he comes in a righteous way with salvation for you. Very good. Then, uh, lowly and riding upon a donkey. You know, this verse was fully fulfilled in the four Gospels. When Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem, he came as a king, but a lowly king, riding just a colt, a baby donkey. Then verse 10, he will speak peace into the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea. Do you know this verse referred to what time? Verse 9 refers to the time that Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem when he was on this earth. And verse 10 refers to the kingdom. At the millennial time, God would stop all fighting, as we have seen this in Isaiah already. All the fighting utensils will be thrown away. Kali, we've already talked about the Christ revealed in Zechariah before chapter 
9. Now we come to these verses 9 and 10 in chapter 9 that focus on Christ, and it's almost a parenthetical portion in chapter 9. Let's go ahead and develop this before we get into the rest of the chapter, because I would say Witness Lee's ministry was a specialty on focusing on Christ. He would find Christ and latch on to Christ, and whether it's the person of Christ or the work of Christ, this was his favorite hobby. So why don't we stop at the beginning of the program and just develop this a little bit? Okay, these are wonderful verses, of course. Uh, Verse 9, we're very familiar with verse 9, because when the Lord came into Jerusalem before his crucifixion, he received this kind of welcome. He was riding. He was a king entering into Jerusalem, but he was a king who came in a lowly and humble fashion. Famous verse. Yes, very famous verse and a very sweet verse because he came not riding on a great white horse Mm -hmm. like a majestic ancient king might have done, but rather a king who came uh, riding on a donkey, even a colt. And to put that into today's language, he wasn't driving a Mercedes Benz. Or... <laughs> yeah, right. He uh, he came to bring righteousness and salvation, according to these verses. And uh, he was welcomed, of course, by the crowds. He was welcomed by the crowds. And uh, however, later we know that not uh, just a couple of days later, the crowds turned on him and they cried out to crucify him. Right. Well, it's interesting that verse nine and ten are there together. Nine is the welcoming of the king. And 10 actually is a verse that speaks of the millennial kingdom. In a sense, we have to realize that if the Jewish people had received him in this way, and if their reception had not turned on him, then what is spoken of in verse 10 would be that the millennial kingdom would be brought in. Now, because of what happened, and of course it's all in God's sovereign plan, in a sense, the millennial kingdom was suspended and will come in reality when Christ comes a second time. And when he comes a second time, it won't be riding on a colt, but it'll be as lightning, the scriptures tell us. Anyway, verse 10, though, is a very interesting verse, and it says, uh, what it's speaking of, it says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be cut off. In other words, when the millennial kingdom comes, the time of war will be over. And the Jewish people, you know, Zechariah is writing to encourage them and to console them, and they were experiencing the suffering of the nations, chastising them. And Alexander the Great is spoken of in the verses before this, how he came through and there was a destruction. Well, it didn't, not much destruction in, in Jerusalem because of God's care. And we're going to see more of that in the next section. We will. Yes, we will. And anyway, but in this section, uh, this verse, he goes on to say, and he will speak peace unto the nation. Well, this will come in reality in the millennial kingdom of a thousand years. There will really be peace. And uh, then it says his dominion will be from sea to sea. So in the millennial kingdom, there'll be peace and there will be the dominion of God. God will rule over this earth in Christ and it'll be from sea to sea. Well, probably this means in those days, their thinking was probably the Mediterranean to the Dead Sea. But anyway, in reality, it means the whole earth. And then from the river and to the ends of the earth, the river being the Euphrates. This is the thinking of the people back then. So these two verses are an insert, like you say, pointing out Christ, Christ coming, and the issue of Christ coming ultimately will be the millennial kingdom will come in. Well, now that we've covered the insert, let's go back and cover the first eight verses, and I'll read verse eight, because I think that's a a good conclusion. It says, I will encamp around my house because of an army. Because of him who passes by and returns, and no oppressor will pass over them any more. For now I see with my eyes. Let's return to Witness Lee. The very Christ revealed in this book is altogether wrapped up with human history. 
you have to realize if you take Christ away from human history, human history means nothing. It means nothing. The human history from Adam to the last person is nothing without Christ. Can you see this? From the first empire to the last empire, the big four empires, in every aspect of the crucial points, Christ is involved. Like in the first six chapters, in every bit of the human history, Christ is in. Now, we have another six chapters, 9 to 14. You could see, my Christ now is wrapped up in these six chapters in a fine way. And I would say even in a very intimate way. Now, do you know what the first seven verses refer to? These seven verses aha, describe the damage to all these nations by Alexander the Great. When he came out of Macedonia, to conquer Asia Manor. He was passing through any place, he just damaged it. Well, very strange history tells us this. He didn't do much damage to Judah, especially to Jerusalem, even more to the temple. So you have verse 8. I have encamped, God himself camp around Jerusalem. That was the protection. Then, from verse 11 to verse 17, they are concerning Antiochus, with the Maccabeans, the successors of Alexander, will produce a son by the name Antiochus. He will damage the temple. God's love the sins of Judah, that means the Macbeans, the two will fight. And Antiochus was defeated and destroyed. Kali, verses 1 through 8 are a prophecy, okay? We covered visions in the first half of Zechariah. Now we're actually in the first prophecy, and... Verses 1 through 8 are a prophecy that talks about the destruction of Israel's neighbors by Alexander the Great. I appreciate the Lord's promise to protect Israel in verse 8, and and he did this. Could you just review this prophecy a little bit in more detail? Yes, this is uh, very sweet, and the Lord says, I will encamp around my house because of an army. You know, uh, of course, Daniel gave his prophecy before Zechariah, and in the prophecy of Daniel, we have the great image. And the head of that image, of course, was Babylon. And then you had the Medo-Persian, I think it's the shoulders. And then the abdomen and the thighs represent Alexander the Great and his kingdom. So he's prophesying of the period of Alexander the Great. And Alexander, as Brother Lee said, came out of Macedonia. And uh, he just devastated the nations around. But when he came to Judah and to Jerusalem, it's said in history that the priest went out to meet him. And uh, that this turned his fury away, and he did almost nothing to Judah or Jerusalem and did not touch the temple. And no doubt, this was God, as he says in these verses, encamping around his people to preserve and to protect them. So this is a very sweet portion, uh, and it just shows, again, Christ in human history. 
You know, we see today a lot of things happen in human history. We've seen in the last few years. But in human history, Christ is at work. And all of human history actually is just for the unfolding of God's purpose. And God uses the nations. He used the nations to chastise Israel. But he uh, wasn't happy because some of the nations overly chastised Israel. So he chastises them. And Alexander the Great was used in this sense to do that. But God protected his people. He preserved and encamped around his people. Call, isn't it true that Alexander the Great in Daniel was also likened to a goat? Yes. And the goat came and destroyed the ram. Yes. And the ram was pictured in Daniel as the Persian Empire that Dan- that Alexander the Great conquered. And I, I heard in history, tell me, I don't know if you've heard this as well, that the priests, when they came out to Alexander the Great, they actually showed him the book of Daniel, that he was typified by a goat, and Alexander actually wore a goat's, he actually took this for himself, and yes. not knowing that he was prophesied as a goat, he had taken the goat himself, so he was so impressed by this, that was one of the reasons he passed by Judah and didn't do any damage yes, to them. Yes, I, I have heard that. Alexander is prophesied as a goat in chapter 8 and verse 5 of the book of Daniel. And I did hear the same thing, that the priest brought to Alexander the prophecy of Daniel. And Alexander saw himself in there and accepted that that was a prophecy concerning himself. It's amazing. But anyway, God is in human history. And Christ is a meaning and the center and reality of human history. And I like Brother Lee's utterance, without Christ... Human history is meaningless and empty. Well, I hope some of our listeners, as they're listening right now, would realize that not only history is empty without Christ, but your car that you're driving down the road in is empty if you don't have Christ with you right now, and your your life is empty, your family is empty, That's if Christ right. is not in it. That's right. Colleague, before we go on to the conclusion, let's say something about how these verses at the end of the chapter, in verses 11 through 17, refer to the first type of antichrist to Antiochus Epiphanes, like Witness Lee referred to. Yes, you know, Alexander uh, ruled from 336 B.C. until 323 B.C., and then his successors, who ruled the Greek Empire, uh, until about 44 B.C. One of the successors was Antiochus Epiphanes, and he was actually the king of Syria. He was a cruel man, and he was the first type of the antichrist. And uh, what we have in this latter portion of chapter 9 is a portion about the Maccabean heroes, really. They were Jewish young men who rose up to fight against Antiochus Epiphanes. And the interesting thing to me is, no doubt, in Daniel's, you know, we talked about how the priest brought the book of Daniel out to Alexander, and he saw himself. No doubt, these young men also must have seen in the book of Daniel in chapter 11, verse 32, there's a very wonderful verse. It says, The people who know their God will show strength and take action. And no doubt, these Maccabeans applied this to themselves. And they rose up to fight against Antiochus Epiphanes. And uh, it said in history that on December 25th of the year 161 B.C., they, they fully uh, defeated the forces of Antiochus Epiphanes, and they cleansed the temple. So these verses speak about this victory and a kind of a congratulations that God was offering to them for what they did. Now, the story of the Maccabees is not told in the Bible, but it is told in church history. Correct. So uh, that's a helpful picture. I just wanted to tie that down before we go on to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's Life Study Program. The uh, sequence of this chapter is very meaningful. 
verses 1 through 7 tell us the uh, damage Alexander the Great rendered over the uh, nations surrounding Judah. Then verse 8 continues to tell us the Lord himself encamped around his temple with the holy city. And that saved Judah with Jerusalem and the temple from the devastation of Alexander. That was a good deliverance. That should be a sign of the upcoming restoration. But the coming restoration needs the coming of Christ first. So right away after the saving, the verse follows. It tell us Christ is ready to come. So verse 9 says in an excited way, Exalt greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now your king comes. Because what happened in verse 8 was sufficient for Christ to come. Then following Christ's coming, peace should be here. Restoration should be here. And God's dominion should be here. This is what is covered in verse 10. Here is the saving of God's holy temple and holy city. That means God's house and God's kingdom. And this is the ready preparation for the king to come in. So the king comes. The king comes in a very lowly form. And he comes as righteousness to us, bearing salvation for us. This should be gold for the restoration. And in restoration, the first thing is peace. And the second thing is dominion. And here it says, the dominion will be from sea to sea. Kali, I know we've covered this a little bit already, the coming millennial kingdom and this prophecy is from sea to sea. But why don't we develop a little bit more before we conclude the program today? Yes, well, of course, when Christ comes the second time, there will be the millennial kingdom on this earth, and there will be peace. One of the hallmark characteristics of the millennial kingdom, of course, Isaiah speaks of it as well, is there will be peace, Mm -hmm. and there will be dominion. There will be ruling. You know, we live in a time of so much unrighteousness and lawlessness, and many times within me and I know many believers as well, we have a kind of a yearning for righteousness and for a proper ruling. And this thousand years of the millennial kingdom will be peace, and there will be a dominion, a righteousness, and a righteous government upon this earth. Of course, this is in verse uh, 10, uh, after Christ made his triumphal entry there in verse 9. However, because uh, of the Jewish people rejecting Christ, this will actually not come about until the second coming of Christ when he comes again. But it's a beautiful picture. There will be a time of peace and no war. Well, Collie, thanks for coming into the studio today. It was really good to have you with me to cover this chapter in Zechariah chapter 9. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. And uh, thank you also for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. If you'd like to get the printed materials that correspond with what we've talked about today, you can call us at 
Life Study. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or send mail to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or just send us an email to radio at lsm.org. And uh, also on the Internet, you can go to www.lsm.org and actually read the life study of Zechariah to cover in more detail what we've actually covered on the radio today. The entire life study of Zechariah is on the Internet. Also, the recovery version is on the Internet. We've got a lot of resources on the Internet for you. So we encourage you to avail yourself to more because we just can't cover everything in this short half-hour radio program. But anyway... On behalf of Collie Joseph, this is Matt Miller. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.